Ephesians chapter number 5 tonight. I want to read just one verse. I've, I've resigned myself that I really don't care how far I get into this message tonight, uh, whether it's in the introduction or whether it's the end. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited about it, I can't hardly contain myself. And so you might not be once, once we get into it. I don't really could give two shakes in the wind. It don't matter, but I'm just excited about it. But uh, chapter number five, verse number 17, the book of Ephesians. If you found your place, say amen. amen. I think I said verse 17. That's wrong. Verse number 16, it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I want to preach on this thought tonight. How are we to redeem the time? How are we to redeem the time? And we have heard this statement, no doubt, of course, during the the course of the revival. We've heard this statement at least once that I can recollect. Uh, but over the course of the years, we've heard this statement from time to time. But there's two questions that come to my mind. What does it mean? And then as individuals, how are we supposed to redeem something as fleeting as time? How are, what are, how are we supposed to do this? Well, what excites me to, to write at the beginning, and I, I'm just going to give you this, just an introduction, is the word redeem in this usage of this passage, it means to rescue from loss. Now, specifically, it's talking about time. He says, redeeming the time. So, we need to rescue from loss time. But Samuel, if we could just for a moment think about redemption or the fact that we have been redeemed in a broader sense of this thing, and think about the fact that we have been redeemed or rescued from loss. My goodness, that'll in, that'll bless us tonight. And I, I, I cannot help but to think about all of the quote unquote times that I have been at loss that God has rescued me. There's been times that I've been outside of God's will and, and I have been at loss and God has rescued me. There's been times that I've been uh, wavering here and there on the pathway that God has placed me on just about, Brother Kirk, to step out of His wheel, and God has rescued me from impending loss. But here specifically, He uses this word to redeem or to rescue from loss, and then He says to redeem or redeeming the time. Now, I have to, before I go any further, to look over at the book of Ecclesiastes, and and I'll try to read this hurriedly if I can, but in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, I believe it is, Uh, I want you to notice what it says. He says that there is a time and there is a place. Have they moved Ecclesiastes on y'all like they have me? I think they've moved it. Somebody give me a page number. Here we go. 
Thank you. Praise God for a Schofield Bible. Amen. He says in verse number one, I'm going to read the first eight verses so y'all quickly read with me. He says, to everything there is a season and a time in it, to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Then he says, what profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? And so we find here in these first eight and then the ninth verse uh, that there is a time that is mentioned here. And the scripture that we read for our text says that we ought to redeem the time. So what is time? As it's defined in our text, it is a season. It goes further in our definition that it is a the right time. And as I came across this definition, I could not help but to imagine over, whoop, over in the book of Romans chapter number 5, verse number 6, for when they were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly I've said it until I'm blue in the face this word a phrase due time is at the right time somebody help me right there on this Wednesday night we're talking about redeeming the time and so time is a season but time is at the right time but then time is a limited time I have to think over there in the book of James chapter number 4 verse number 14 whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Understand this time that we are to redeem. It is a limited time. It is the right time. Do you understand that this time that we are to redeem Brother Lee, we may never see it again. This time that we are to redeem, we may only have it for just a moment. I mean just a moment. That's not cliched. And that's not saying something that's redundant, but we may we may see it just for an hour, just for a day or a week or a year, but it is fleeting, it is going, it is vanishing away, Brother Kurt. Uh, but then we also see that it is unknown. Uh, as we define time here in Ephesians chapter number 5, it is an unknown time. I can't help but to think about the words of Christ in Matthew chapter number 24, verse number 36. He says, but of that day and hour no man knoweth, uh, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. How we think about Matthew chapter 25, verse number 13. Uh, this is at the very end of a, of a story about those virgins. Uh, those virgins, well, how I many was it, 10 or 12? Uh, they, they were split right down the middle and they had some that were wise virgins and they took a lamp and they took their oil and they had prepared for the coming uh, of the, the bridegroom. But then, 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 then there were yet others that they did not prepare and those that did not prepare ran out of oil and they ran out of their wig and all of a sudden the trumpet 
trumpet blew and the bridegroom was coming while they were out in the world and they were trying to get preparations made, but it was too late. And yet these, these wise virgins, they were ready. And the scripture said there in verse number 13, as a result of this, he says, watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh, honey, as believers tonight, I want us to know this evening how that we are to redeem the time because it's unknown. We don't, you, you know that lost brother? You know that lost sister? I'm talking about flesh and blood. I'm talking about that brother that you grew up with, that you blacked his eye. I'm talking about that sister that you pulled her hair out. I'm talking about that mom or that daddy that you used to love. Maybe that mom or daddy that you're caring for right now. I'm talking about that co-worker, that boss man. I'm talking about that distant cousin. I'm talking about that cousin that's just like a brother. I'm talking about that one that works for you. I'm talking about that man or that woman, that boy or the girl that you cannot stand on the side of. If they're lost and dying and going to hell, I want you to know today that today is a time that we ought to redeem or where we can share the gospel with these men and these women. So the question remains tonight, how are we to redeem the time? How are we to redeem the time? Very quickly tonight. I I hope I mean that. Number one, we must follow God. Look at your Bible with me. Verse number one, Ephesians chapter five. Verse number one. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. How are we to redeem the time? We must follow God. This word follow, it means to be an imitator. To be an imitator. He goes on and he says, as dear children. This phrase is dear children. It means as the favorite child. Now I pick on my girls and, and one of them will do something for me. Give me a glass of water. They'll, they'll do something. I'm like, you know, you're my favorite. And, and they, in their heart of hearts, they know that they're not. Because I'm going to say that to the next one the next time they do something for me. And I, I just give it to them both, both ways. And, and they'll try to get me by myself. And they say, Daddy, who's your favorite? And, and, and I can't. I, I honestly, in my hand up, I could not honestly pick a favorite. But you know what? They can. Because there's only one of me. See, they can't say, Brother Terry, my children, I hope they can't. My children can't say, Terry's my favorite daddy. Because you're not their daddy. Kurt, you're not their daddy. So, so Ashton cannot say, you know, Kurt's my favorite daddy. They can't do that. But you see, he says that we ought to be followers of God as dear children. We ought to be imitators of God as we are the favorite children, as we look to God as their, as not only He as our favorite, but as we in our own minds envision ourselves as His favorite child. And so what this means is that child wants to be like his daddy. I have a, I have a picture wherever my, I have a picture on my my phone. I, Kurt, I guess you sent it to me. Standing right there a few Sundays ago, a Camden in your coat jacket, your suit jacket, and that thing swallowed him whole. He looking there looking like a homeless man. I mean, his, his jacket, uh, you can't see his arms, barely see his feet, barely see his head sticking up out of it, and he wanted to wear his daddy's jacket. Uh, that's what this phrase looks like. Uh, be ye imitators, be ye therefore followers or imitators 
imitators of God as dear children. If a mama does it, that little girl wants to do it. If daddy wants to fish, that child wants to fish. If daddy goes hunting, that boy wants to go hunting. If mama puts the makeup on, that little girl wants to put makeup on. But then it says in verse number 2, he says, Be followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. If we're going to redeem the time, we must follow God. And we need to walk as Christ walked. It says, in love. Number two, not only do we need to follow, but we must forsake the unclean. Forsake the unclean. Look at verse 3 down through verse number 7. Verse number 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let us not be once named among you as becometh saints. We ought to forsake the unclean. Let's look at this, because as saints it should be unnamed. This unclean, these unclean things, these unclean acts, these unclean uh, images that we present ourselves in and by, it is unbecoming. It harms or it ruins testimonies. Not only the testimony of the one committing these things, but the testimonies of those around us. Uh, You look at one person, uh, I'll just give you a for instance, I've told it before, uh, but there's a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I can remember passing by computers of known uh, members of this church uh, that they they professed of going to this church all of the time and yet I walked by their computer and there was pornography on that computer and I wondered my goodness oh what was this church teaching what was this pastor teaching surely they weren't preaching the gospel but yet I knew the church I knew what they were teaching I knew the pastor I knew he was teaching right but yet it ruined the testimony not of this person only, but it tainted the testimony of the church. So, as as believers, we need to forsake the unclean. As saints, it should be unnamed. It harms, it ruins the testimonies. As sons, it is unfit. Look with me at verse number 4. It says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Now, don't get mistook on this uh, this word convenient. Uh, this means, uh, if you look over in Romans chapter number 1, verse 28, it says, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you this note. God giving them over in verse number 28 came after God gave them up twice. So God gave them choices from verse number 17 down through verse number 21 or 22. He gave them a choice after choice after choice. Then God gave them option number one. Uh, when He gave them up, He got, God gave them another chance. Uh, when he, God gave them up, uh, but now God has given them over to a reprobate mind in verse number 28. Uh, but what did He give them over to do? Uh, to do the things which are not convenient. Uh, This word means to do those things which are shameful. uh, To do those things which are disgraceful. And the Scripture said uh, that those uh, Christians, us believers, uh, we should have no part in those things which are shameful. Those things which are disgraceful. Uh, They, as sons, they are unfit for us to have a part in. Number three... Look with me in verse number 8 and verse number 10 through verse 10. We should forget not our 
past. Y'all help me right here. Y'all, y'all, y'all repeat after me. We're going to be like, we're going to act like we're in big church. I am not perfect. I can tell y'all can't follow directions. Let's do it one more time. Repeat after me. I am not perfect. As such, we need to get a hold of this. If we're going to redeem the time, we need to forget not our past. Notice what it says here. He told us in verse number 3, he told us in verse number 4, that we need to get out from among them. He said, don't let it be named among you. He said, as sons, it's unfit, it's not convenient for you. But then in verse number, what I say, verse number 8, he says, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Woke as children in the light, or of the light. Then in verse number 9, it's one of those thoughts within a thoughts. It says, uh, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. But verse number 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So let's look at verse 8 and verse number 10. I want us to know how if we're not going to forget our past, we need to realize verse number 8. It says, for ye were sometimes darkness. Notice that it not only says dark, and it doesn't only imply that we were in darkness, uh, but it says that we were darkness in Self. He says, but ye were sometimes darkness. In other words, ye were blind and you were altogether ignorant. But glory to God. First uh, John chapter number one, uh, verse number five says, uh, this then is the message of which we have heard of him and declare unto you uh, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I want you to know today, uh, the day that I got saved. God cleaned all the darkness out. He washed it out. But God, when He turned the light on, the darkness vanished away. Hallelujah to God. I'm glad to report tonight that the darkness is gone. But I remember, I remember those days. I remember those nights when I was crouched in a corner somewhere, steeped in sin, worried about was, whoop, worried about was in the shadow of the darkness, worried about what was coming around the corner, worried about what was in the, in the darkness, worried about what was gonna get me. But honey, when, when light walked into darkness, the darkness in my soul disappeared. I'm about to run! When darkness disappeared, I became a new man and a new creature. We we need to be the proof. The Bible says in verse number 10, He says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. You write this down. We need to be the proof of what is acceptable. We need, we need to be the proof of what is acceptable. Paul, I, I know I'm going to misquote it. It's more natural to say it the way that I'm going to say it. I know it's wrong. But, the, but Paul said that we are, we are the epistles written and read of all men. A lot of folks, they ain't going to pick up their Bible. But they're going to judge religion, spirituality, and church, and God based on you and based on me. And if all they've seen is darkness, and dimness and shadows and they're not back brother Jim 
honey, when you see me jumping that way, Open the door, because we're going to have to have it repainted. Wait, listen, hope Miss Irene, if all they're seeing is dimness and darkness, and they don't see the light, they're seeing the wrong thing. And we're sending the wrong message. But if they can see the light of Jesus, and the light of the Holy Ghost, and the light of the Father are flowing from us, and if all they see is that light are coming from us, and all we're admitting is the light of God, and the light of the glorious gospel, then guess what? Every room we go in, oh, we get to say, here's the gospel. Oh, we go into a dark corner, here's the gospel. Oh, we go into a dark valley, here's the gospel. Oh, we go into a dark hospital room, here's the gospel. We go into a dark a funeral home, here's the Go! We go into a dark funeral home and say, here's the gospel. No matter where we go, if we got the word of God and the light of Christ living on us, we're showing the light of the gospel. Forget not our past. Then we need to focus on the light. Focus on the light. I ain't ahead of myself, believe it or not. I'm about to wore out. Verse number, verse number next, where we're at, 14 and verse number 15, focus on the light. Look with me, it says, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. This is my last point. It's a little lengthier than the others, but I'm pressing on, making good time. I got to hammer down. You still with me, Brother Lee? You're helping me tonight. Come on. Here we go. Number four, focus on the light. Awake from sleep. How are we to redeem the time? Awake from sleep. There is no time to sleep. There is no time to sleep. I could try to tell you the schedule that I try to keep and, and y'all wouldn't believe me if I tried to tell you. And probably a quarter of the time I'd be lying because sometimes I'm just too tired to keep it and so I stay in the bed. Brother Jim called me, was it last week, Brother Jim? I don't remember. I think he called me twice. I was laying down. <clears throat> it was during revival, and I, I think it was during revival. I was laying down. And I told told my wife and told the girls, I said, I'm going to go down, lay down for just a little bit. Miss Irene's about 1 o'clock. About 5 o'clock, I woke up. And I noticed I had missed two calls, I think, from Brother Jim. And I missed like three or four texts and some... Other messages, I said, like, great time of day. I'm glad the rapture didn't come. I've got my tail left here. I was dead to the world. But I could try to tell you the schedule that I try to keep when I try to get up, what I try to do first, and what I try to do all throughout the day. And someday, Samuel, there doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day. And so I've tried to to back that up and I try to get up earlier in the morning or I try to stay up later in the afternoon or the the evening and and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But can I tell you, if we're going to redeem the time, can I tell you, there is no time to sleep. There is no time to sleep. 
You know what the Bible said about the devil? That he, in multiple places, that he is walking about. He is walking to and fro. He is walking about. Guess what he's doing? He's seeking whom he may devour. He told God when he was looking at Job, he's been walking to and fro in the earth. He said, we're going to read it here in a minute. He said in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8, that he's walking to and fro. You know what's happening? As we as believers are sleeping, instead of redeeming the time, Satan is doing the opposite. See, we ought to be rescuing the loss. We ought to be rescuing the time. But what Satan is doing, he's stripping the time further and further away. He's, I read it to you Sunday morning, I believe it was. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Every moment that we stay asleep, another soul is blinded and they believe not. Y'all still with me? Romans 13, verse number 11 and 12. And that, we're talking about no time to sleep. And that knowing the time... That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Listen to me, honey. It talks about our salvation is at hand. There's two things to note here. He is talking about our salvation. He says eternity is at hand. Uh, For you and I that are believing right now, it could be this very night. It could be before the end of this message uh, that Jesus steps on the clouds of glory and that trump of God sounds and you and I are taken up to glory to meet Him in the air. I have no idea. It might be another generation from now, uh, but I do know as the Scripture said then, and I still believe it can happen today, uh, that it is high time in our salvation is now. But I want you to know on a sadder point uh, that just as happy as I am uh, that you and I may pull out of here at any given moment. Uh, eternity for some lost sinner uh, may begin in hell at any given moment. And if we're falling asleep on God, we're damning them to hell. I know that's strong language tonight. Nothing wrong with it. I'm, I'm not cussing. Y'all, y'all youngins don't think I'm cussing. But we are damning them to hell if the church falls asleep. If we don't redeem the time, that's what's happening. Listen to me. We need to, we need to arise, he says in verse 14. He says, awake, thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee life. Arise from the dead. This one kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, arise from the dead? I thought we was already saved. Well, I got to looking at this thing. And what he means, he says, get up out of your old sin. Stop walling around in old dead clothes. He says, stop, stop spending time at your funeral home. He said, take off those old clothes, those old death garments. Get out of it. Stop living in your past. I told you, don't forget your past, but bless God, don't live in your past. Get up from your old past. Get up from your old sin. Get out of that garbage. Get on the path. Get get in the right path and walk therein. Don't go the old ways. Don't go with your old 
friends. Don't do those old things. He says, he says, arise from the dead. And when you do that, he says, Christ will give you light. I wrote this down. Get about the Father's business. Y'all write this down. Laziness and the light of Christ cannot coexist. If you want to be lazy and you want to try to work for God and shine the light, guess what? It ain't going to happen. If you're going to shine the light of Christ, you cannot be lazy. It ain't going to happen, Captain. It is not going to happen. Somebody's going to be in darkness every time you come around because you're lazy. Amos chapter number 6, verse number 1. He says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust the mountain of Samaria, which are named the chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Woe! Woe! Judgment! Judgment, he says, to them that are at ease in Zion. I'd say a good majority of the church, Zion, is at ease. They just got it on cruise control. They're doing whatever they want to do. It's time we arise. It's time we awake. And then we need to be aware of your surroundings. He says there in verse number 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We need to walk straight. This word circumspectly, it means exactly. It means diligently, and I love this. It means this is not proper English. This is defunct English. They don't talk like this. They don't even spell straight this way anymore. It means most straightest. It's pretty straight. The mo, it don't even say the, it just said most straightest. You know how straight that is? Pretty straight. So walk straight. Reminds me of what he says over there in, in 1 Corinthians. He says, quit you like men. A bunch of men are saying, well, he says quit. No, Jack. That means act like men. He says, you need to walk circumspectly. Walk straight. I, I, I know it's an old word. I know it's an old word. But most of us Christians, we're molly grubbing all the time. Y'all know what mully grubbing is down here in South Georgia, A. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. We just, oh, mully grubbing, woe is me. I, and uh, if y'all want to throw a party, a pity party, honey, I'll bring the crackers. I can throw the best pity party there is. I mean, I, and I'll bring the coffee. I'll fix coffee while we're there. But as believers, he says walk circumspectly. Put your head up. But Miss Tony, there's a reason why he says, put your head up. He says, he says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You know what those fools do? They, they put their heads down. They accept whatever. Whatever, whatever happened. What, what's the old, what's, what's the old saying? Case, hurrah, hurrah. Whatever will be, will be. That's not how a Christian ought to live. That is not how a Christian ought to live. It might make a good bumper sticker. It might make a good song or something like that. But it does not need to be the mantra of a Christian. Whatever will be, will be. 
If it's the will of God, it will be. Put that on your bumper sticker. But we need to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So we need to walk straight. We need to be aware of our surroundings. We need to uh, walk with our eyes wide open. Again, First Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And then, walk with wisdom. Not as fools, but as wise. Walk with wisdom. James chapter number 4, or chapter 1, verse number 5, If any of you lack wisdom, I don't know how to do that. How how do you redeem the time? I don't know how to do that. If any of you lack wisdom, well, I don't know how to talk to somebody. If any of you lack wisdom, well, I don't know how to share my testimony. If any of you lack wisdom, well, I don't know how to walk straight. If any of you lack wisdom, well, I don't, I don't, I don't. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If you don't know, ask God for wisdom and He'll give it to you. If we ought to redeem the time, these are the natural steps that we must take. And I warn you again tonight that time is fleeting, but sadly souls are dying. Every second that ticks off the clock, Somebody is nearing hell. Somebody's nearing hell. The days are evil. The Bible says redeeming the time for the days are evil. You and I are witness to how evil our days are. I'm going to say this. It's been said for years. From the White House to the church house, the days are evil. It's sad to say, but when you start looking through the news, you'll find near as much wickedness in churches. What I mean by that is in religion as you do the White House, politicians, politics, I guess you might say. The days are evil. But I ask you tonight, I challenge you, and we're going to pray. Will you redeem the time that's been given to you? Today, the sun is setting. I could see it glowing on the on the grass on the other side of the road. The sun is setting. I wonder tonight, as far as today goes, there's only a few more hours, and you're going to pillow your head. If the Lord's gracious, you're going to wake up tomorrow, and you're going to be given a new day, and you're going to be given a limited time. Tomorrow. And there's going to be, listen, there's going to be a limited amount of people that you will see tomorrow. But will you redeem the time given and share with them something that could change their eternity? You may not take them down the Romans road, 
You, you may not, you may not bow with them and pray. You may not lead them to the Lord. They may not get saved. But if you point them to Christ, you may be the one that plants. Paul says, you may be the one that plants. You may be the one that waters. Or you may be the one that harvests the seed. I guarantee if you'll point somebody to Christ, you let God do the rest, you've done your part. How can we redeem the time? Let's stand. Let's bow our heads tonight. Our Father, we sure do love You. God, I pray tonight that You would help Your people. I pray that You would give us what we stand in need of this evening. God, we ask You that You would Lord, help Your people. I pray that You would give us... Lord, give us courage. God, give us a desire, a burden to share the gospel. I ask you tonight that you would give us liberty to do it. Lord, I know some places frowned upon that. Maybe a workplace, maybe public places. But I ask you that you would give us wisdom as far as the time. Give us wisdom as far as the person. But I pray tonight that you would put a burden on our hearts to share the gospel. Lord, I ask you that you would do a work in our people's hearts. Strengthen us as only you can. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.